I am Danika. And I am Myra. And this is the Black Women Healing Podcast. A space to discuss mental wellness. A space to dive into soul care and vulnerability. Here, we will support you on your journey as you focus on your healing. While also giving you the work along the way. Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast. Well, I am here to announce that our book, Let's Heal, a workbook designed for Black women with various modalities by your co-host Danika and Myra is now at a storefront. And so the storefront is Urbana Goods. It's a community store that brings an upgraded experience of connecting with the community uh, with small crafting gatherings and workshops and supporting other local businesses by housing and selling their merchandise, such as us. And they even sell some of your typical items from the local convenience store. Like y'all, I literally bought some body butter, hair products, and a cute purse all from this store. Just to give you a little example. So when you have some time, check out Urbana Goods. It's located in Guardina, California. The actual address is 1756 West El Segundo, Guardina, California, 90249. You can put it in your GPS, whatever you need to do, but go ahead and make your way there and check us out. Hey y'all, we are back with another episode of Black Women Healing Pod, and as usual, we have a special guest. Something we've been doing is talking a little bit about quotes that we found. Oftentimes, Donika has an archive of quotes, but today I'm coming with a quote, and the quote is from Janelle Monae. And so what we typically do, Candice, is I'll share the quote, and then we talk about it a little bit. So the quote is, perfection is often the enemy of greatness. And the reason why I chose this quote in particular is because I've been in a lot of conversations about productivity and perfectionism and realizing that I struggle to have those conversations because I'm oftentimes pushing people that struggle with perfectionism. And I'm like, I don't know that I'm pushing them in the ways that I should. Like, I'm like, stop thinking like that. So that's why I chose it because it's been it's been heavy on my mind. Donika, what you thinking? Uh, really quickly, you say you've been pushing people. What do you mean? I'm confused. Uh, like, for example, like um, my younger brother, we've been in a lot of conversations about perfectionism. And I was telling him literally, like, I struggle to support people who struggle with perfectionism. Like, that's one thing I don't have the language for because my thing is give yourself grace. That's what they struggle with. <laughs> literally, that's what they yeah. struggle with. Um, give yourself a moment to to say that your mistakes are learning opportunities. That's what they literally struggle with. And that's where I'm finding myself struggling with how do I even give language to it or like just support them in that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no, it makes sense. Because uh, when I think about you too, I think you're a person who you will, you'll just do it, you know? Uh, it'll eventually, you know, you, you you continue to get better and better, but you don't let like, you don't need to know every single thing for you to get started because technically there's no such thing and I think that's what this kind of comes to like this if you if you try to be perfect then you will never get to be great because you're continuously waiting because there's no in my opinion there's no such thing as perfect um yeah I feel like this comes up a lot with with clients especially black Mm -hmm. women um especially if you feel like you have to be perfect I was I was talking to this girl and she said um She's one of uh, my team, one of my, one of my, one of the girls on the dance team I'm on. And she was like that she's not performing because her routine is not perfect. And she mm-hmm. blames on her being a Virgo. Y'all do know Virgos are perfect perfection. <laughs> 
And so I'm like, there's no such thing. And she said, well, it needs to be as close as possible to it. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, that's so hard to um, measure. You know what I'm trying to say? Like you, it's really, you can't really measure that. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's like, it's, you doing the best you can. That's technically perfect. That's yeah. it. You know? So what about you, Candace? What do you think about this quote? Uh, yeah, I love this quote. And I think it's so true. And I see, like, I growing up, I think I was definitely more of a perfectionist. Like, had to be there every day at school, tried to get perfect attendance, good grades and everything. And then after I've gotten older, I started to reject that. Because I, for me, I found that it was more of a trauma response, like a, mm. a, a fear of, like, judgment from what happens, um, you know, if you're not perfect. But mm. now, especially what I do, like, creatively, like, if you wait for perfection, you're never, ever going to get it done. And what I found is that it's, you know, you're always kind of improving, um, but you can't really improve unless you get feedback. Um, so perfection seem, does seem very detrimental to being successful because if you're just sitting with whatever you're working on and no one else is ever seeing it, like you're not really gaining that perfectionism anyway because you only have your own thoughts and insights on it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Myra, for that quote. That was a good one. Okay, Janelle <laughs> Monet. Yeah, she been hey, she been living her best life right now too. Hey, I love her. I'm <laughs> loving her latest album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and officially introduce our guest. So today's guest is Candace D. Patrick, a Los Angeles-based writer, director, and producer. She found her screenwriting passion in high school and earned her BA in screenwriting from Loyola Marymount University. Her stories authentically depict human journeys through exploring themes of grief, mental health, joy, and debunking stereotypes. Notable work includes the acclaimed short film, The Fifth Room, and her upcoming project, Finding Jamia's Spirit. Earned her selection as a 2023 Real Sisters Micro-Budget Film Fellow. Currently as marketing director for Semester SC, Candace combines her love for travel with her creative pursuits. So thanks so much for being here today. Um, Yeah, like you've been doing your thing as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, it's been definitely been a journey. And I feel like I'm, you know, staying consistent and trying to walk into my my purpose, my season. So. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get into this. So as a filmmaker, um, how challenging is it to pull from your personal experiences in your creative process? Uh, yeah, uh, as a filmmaker, it can be very challenging to pull from personal experiences. Um, I think filmmaking in general are really like any type of creative art form is always going to be challenging because you're, if you're making it public, you're putting it out there for people to naturally critique and judge it. So they're either going to love it or they're going to hate it, um, or be indifferent. But when you're pulling from personal experiences, it can, you kind of take those hits a little bit harder, um. And at times it made me even question my reality because I've written scripts uh, based on personal experience, sent them out for feedback and someone will reply, oh, that's not realistic. And I'm like, but wait, but what do you mean? That happened to me. <laughs> like it is realistic. So, you know, it kind of, you know, makes you question like your life experiences. Um, it can also be very like triggering, um, especially if you're writing about really vulnerable experiences. Um, you know, it can be triggering to recall certain um experiences and it can also be also be tricky for a reader like I've written stuff without uh and unintentionally trigger someone else and then I feel bad 
uh, if someone doesn't know the context of the of the story. Um, but I think despite the challenges, it can also be very rewarding and it could be healing. And, uh, you know, I often take the things that happen to me and sometimes I change the ending so that there can be more joy in that. And then also hearing, you know, from people who've seen something I've done, uh, reach out and say, oh, this really resonated with me, or I really related to this, or this had this impact. Like, that makes me feel, like, not so alone, and it, and it makes me feel like the work I'm doing is not just entertainment, but it can also have some kind of impact. Yeah, so then let's even take, like, a deeper dive and talk about how your work as a filmmaker has been in alignment with your healing journey. Uh, yeah, so my work aligns with my healing journey in, in many ways. Um, I've always been more expressive in written communication than verbal communication. Um, and so whether it's poetry or random notes or sticky notes, I have a lot of uh, sticky notes. I, I send a lot of money to the post-it company, whoever they are. And um, or even like, you know, screenplays, that's really how I heal. Um, and I don't like to think that I write from a place of trauma. I do like to think that I write from a place of like healing and joy. So even if there is some like traumatic like elements, I don't I don't like to think I'm doing, oh, like a trauma film. Like, no, what's the healing in here? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I try to identify a place of healing for me um, or like for others who might have a connection with the story or a specific character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I love that 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 take on it too. It makes me, I mean, I don't know why, but I'm gonna tell y'all what's coming to mind. It's making me think about like slavery mu- movies, um, yeah. and how like every time a slavery movie come out, it's like, oh, another one. Like, why y'all keep doing this to us? You know, but like this piece of like getting to well in regards to history, but you get to recreate it for now, right? That's the creative piece of it all. So I love that, like being able to like have a different outcome or change different things about it yeah yeah, and you yeah were making- i mean sorry go ahead candace uh i was gonna say yeah i mean the the thing with the slavery films i feel like that's a those are pieces of resilience you know like we're all you know african descendants we're descendants of people that resi- that you know were resilient that fought we're here because they survived mm-hmm. um and then there were people that didn't survive and like we're here to like tell those stories and you know, I think it's not, you know, as long as like that's not all of our media, that's not the consumption of how we're represented. I don't have a problem with those. I feel like who is this person? What is their story? What is this different take on it? There's definitely a lot about slavery that I think has been sugarcoated. And we're not getting the full history of what happened, but it also is very traumatic. So I think you also have to be in a place to receive that too. Yes, most definitely. What I was going to say was it makes me think about how we are history, right? Because we come from our ancestors and the work that we do is now creating new history. And even thinking about you and your stories and that you're telling, how you're creating new history and creating new narratives and how even that within itself is healing. So I feel like that's just so powerful within itself. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell us about Jamia's spirit and how that has been aligned with your healing journey. Yeah, so Finding Me in Spirit is inspired by my dad. Um, my dad died when I was 11 from stomach cancer. Um, and it was, you know, it was weird because he, he had been struggling with uh, cancer for a few years, maybe like one to two years from what I recall. But it, it still, his death was unexpected to me. I didn't, I didn't think he was actually going to die. Um, it felt like he was just sick and he was going to get better. Um, but, you know, after he died, the 
kind of what people say is, oh, you're that went to a better place. You know, it, you know that's like the, the first line of compassion. And that's kind of what's reiterated whenever it's like, oh, I miss my dad. Or, you know, when she would say, oh, well, don't worry, he's in a better place. And, you know, I, as a kid, like as 11, I understood what that meant. Like it means like heaven from how I, from how, how I grew up. I know that means something different for different um, religions. And, but I just, I, even as an adult, I just, I hate that uh, terminology. I feel like there's a different way um, that we could explain what happens to someone when they leave, especially for a young kids. So with Finding to Me a Spirit, I took a younger kid, like a five-year-old who also lost her dad, and they tell her her dad's in a better place. And she doesn't understand that. She's like, wait, my dad, my best friend went to this better place and just left me behind. Like, can I come? Like, why can't I go to this better place? Like, yeah. so I really wanted to, you know, look at this little kid going through that um, experience and figuring out a different way. Figuring out one, like how are kids interpreting this and how can we find a different way to communicate this message? How can we make help this child connect with, you know, her dad, even after she's gone? Um, and figuring out not just for kids, really for adults too, because even as an adult, I, you know, struggle with connecting with my dad and people I've loved that have, you know, lost when passed away. Um, uh, and then, yeah, I think um, as far as like my healing journey with creating Finding to Me a Spirit, it, um, it almost feels like I'm grieving my dad again, you know, um, because I'm pulling, I pulled a lot from my dad when writing the script, but now we're out crowdfunding and you know trying to get supporters and so I'm talking about my dad's story and looking at pictures of my dad um it has been very triggering um and even thinking about how I connect with my dad uh as an adult like you know so many years later um it is it's almost like I I feel like you know I don't know if I didn't fully grieve as a kid or if I'm just grieving in a different way uh mm -hmm. as an adult uh or a combination of both I don't know you know because the <laughs> You know, the thing about grief is, you know, I always say like it, it affects you, but then life like moves on, <laughs> life goes mm -hmm. on and then you, you can either stay there or you have to like, you, you know, you're catching up with everything, you know? And so at some point it felt like life moved on when I was a kid and it was like, okay, there's no time to grieve anymore. And now I'll come back to, um, but I think it's it's been a necessary part of the journey for me. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, as as you said, the, as soon as you said your, uh, as soon as you start telling about um, finding Jimmy a spirit, I immediately thought like, wow. Every time you talk about this, you have to say that your dad died, right? Every single time. Yeah. That's so many times, constant. You know, like, and you're going to be talking about this hopefully for for a while right and so yeah every single time so the, I mean one I just want to say how courageous and, and brave that is to tell such a story right sometimes I think filmmakers and creatives choose stories that may not be as triggering as you say um or like this piece of you even noticing that the grief is coming up and how maybe you didn't get to process it as a kid but also how how different it looks now as an adult so, I mean, I just want to say how courageous I think that is. Um, and yeah, like from the from the clips I have seen of Finding Jamia's Spirit, I agree. I think that, you know, when when we talk to kids about death or even adults, even adults, a lot of times it's just not, there's, I mean, there's technically not any words, but there's not more, uh, there's not better 
explanations of what's happening here. Um, so yeah, I just had to say that. Myra, was you gonna say something? I'm sorry. No, I'm in right alignment with like what you're saying. It it is is making me wonder, um, how do you feel like this is impacting your relationship with your dad? Like if you think about like continuing that relationship with him and having to continue to have conversations about him, I'm just wondering like your thoughts on that. Cause it makes me think about for me personally, um, when loved ones go on for me, I've come to tell myself that if I continue to tell stories about them, I'll keep them alive and I'll keep their spirit around me versus like ones that I may not talk about so much, trying to talk about them more to keep their spirit around me and to keep their, them just alive. Um, um, and existing in my life. So I'm wondering how you think about it for yourself. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's kind of been this journey for, for you, even before the film. It's something I've like talked to my therapist about too. Um, because like the, the yearning for the connection, you know, it doesn't go away as the years go on. And I don't know, like, I don't know if that's a common thing that people think that eventually like you get over someone but you don't you just you just gotta miss them in different ways mm. and so trying to find a way to connect with him was been hard like I have these like tangible items that I kept like from when he was a when we were a kid like I still have like our baseball gloves because like I used to play people and he's my coach and I have this like camera and I have like his watch and they're like tangible things but they don't they don't kind of I, I'm glad that I have them but they don't give me the connection that I need. Um, and for a long, even though I know like my dad was sick, right? And, you know, he died in a, you know, a horrible way. It's like for a while, it just felt like, man, like you just left me. Like you're my best friend. He like left me. And like, how do I feel that connection? And so it's, I have to say, it's still like an ongoing journey for me. I'm trying to figure out how can I get some, and, and also how can I like, be open to different ways of connecting with him that maybe that are not how I was, was raised and um not as common but like you know I'm trying to figure out like how can I have that a, a kind of a spiritual connection with my dad and that's where I am in my life now like when things happen are they just random things or is it you know should I open myself to the possibility that maybe that's my dad trying to communicate with me you know or other like ancestors trying to communicate with me and so uh, I don't know if I answered your question but no you definitely did thank you for that yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah so I mean it's kind of a little bit of what Myra was asking with that question but I was wondering what were your first beliefs about the afterlife um and what are your current beliefs yeah so um you know my first beliefs around uh the afterlife were very much rooted in Christianity uh my dad was a minister as were several um uncles are still um you know at the Vinatards my grandfather was I grew up Pentecostal so church all day on Sunday mm -hmm. um revivals <laughs> uh <laughs> I, I was really the whole the whole thing like I, I was in it and so you know how it's raised is that you know someone dies they either go to heaven or they go to hell um my dad was a beautiful like you know positive this amazing person so he went to heaven right and um and then we have no connection with them at all they just go to heaven and we don't see them again until or we don't see them or connect with them in any way until they die or until we die mm -hmm. um 
And so that's how I was raised. And so it, you know, and then, so yeah, that felt like a sudden, like they're here and then they're not here and then we feel them no more, you know? Um, but as an adult, uh, you know, and, and really now, like in more recent years, I, I don't feel like we lose content. Um, I do think there's like a, a spiritual world that they go to, whether that's heaven or whether it's, you know, what someone else might call it. Cause I, you know, I believe there, I believe in God, I believe there's one God, but I, I know that people have different ways of connecting with God. And so, you know, whatever that spiritual place is, is there, but I don't think there's this hard line where there's no connection to us anymore. Um, I feel like I'm trying to like open myself to those, um, to the possibility that I can just have a connection that, you know, he is here with me, guiding me um, and protecting me. And, you know, it's not like I, I can't have a connection with him again until I die. So that's that's kind of where my journey is, is kind of going now and really like trusting my intuition, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. Thanks for giving us insight on where you are now. Um, how have your family and friends reacted to this particular piece of work from you? Uh, yeah, so, you know, my family and friends and religious community have been very supportive. Um, you know, a lot of shared experience of someone losing someone as well. Um, and kind of also, you know, being told that this person went to a better place and, and a lot of, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's, we shouldn't say that. This thing off to a better place. Like, what's a different way to, to say that? You know, not, and it's not to say like that heaven doesn't exist or the spiritual world doesn't exist, but what is a different way uh, to communicate that, especially with kids? I've also had, you know, other family members, other friends who've lost someone as a kid and they've mentioned like, yeah, you know what, that did kind of make me feel a certain way. Like, why do we say that? So, you know, are just being told to be strong, you know, and kind of, keep it moving when someone goes on. So I think I've had a lot of support from the community, which makes me feel like it's definitely like the right time to do this, to do this project, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's always beautiful when we get like that support. Um, and so I'm glad that everybody is receiving, especially like your close folks. And so, and when the, when the larger community receives it, I think that it's just even, it's a, you know, a greater feeling, even more greater, but when you're a family and people who are close to you, that's why I asked that question. Um, but so at the end of our podcast, we always do takeaways. And so it could be anything you want to leave with our audience, with the listeners, um, we most definitely will be sharing your crowdfunding for sure. Um, but like anything that you want the listeners to know. Uh, yeah, I guess like my main takeaway is like, like knowing that grief has like no timeline, you know, um, and, and allow, allow yourself to be like comfortable with that. Um, I think I've cried like more in the past few months working on this project than I've cried like as a kid. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like allowing myself to do that. So, you know, allow yourself to like participate in the grief journey at whatever point it happens in your life because it's going to happen anyway. And also allow yourself to like, you know, think about the impossible, you know, when you think about like, is someone there with you, guiding you, protecting you? you know, is our, you know, are random things not as random, you know, for me, it might be like 
don't know, the light is flickering. Is the circuit just messed up or is it? I don't know. Is that is that something no. So, you know, try to think about, you know, think about that. Um, and uh, should I should I say something about like the project, like where you can go to follow and support and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then um, if you want to support uh, Finding Demia's Spirit, the short film, uh, you can make a pledge on our Indiegogo page. You can just go to Indiegogo.com and search for Finding Demia's Spirit. Uh, you can also follow our journey on Instagram. Um, our page is at Demia Spirit Film. Um, you can also connect with me at Candace D. Patrick or on Instagram. Uh, that's Candace with note in uh, and with the A. Um, and yeah, I'm always happy to, you know, if you have a shared like journey of losing someone and trying to find a connection, like, hey, slip in my DMs, because that's that's definitely a conversation I'm having right now. Yes, thank you for that. I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Candace. This was amazing. And I look forward to seeing this film. We really hope y'all enjoyed this episode. I wanted to make sure that we share some resources if you were listening to this episode and it started to make you think about your grief journey. And so I want to share with y'all that we did do an episode about grief, season one, episode 18 with our fave, Jay Nicole, the grief bully. You can also check out Jay Nicole on Instagram under the grief bully. And she also has a podcast on grief, again, called the grief bully. Also, if you're wanting to do a deeper dive on your grief journey, there is a great book called The Grief and Recovery Handbook. It can be for a loss of a loved one, a breakup, a loss of a job, um, an estranged relationship, anything tied to grief. So be sure to check those out. And I hope that these are useful resources for you all.